We are Centerpoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10 a.m. Enjoy the message. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's just fantastic to be here with you on such a special, special, special morning, really. You know, when the Christmas lights come on. I just thought that's a great word. In fact, four very, very strong words there, weren't there? I mean, that word from John from Bogner about the Christmas lights coming on and the impact that Chris and Catherine are going to have both here at Centrepoint and in the town. I really kind of don't know about you, that really kind of resonated deeply within me, really. So yes, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, so Beverly and myself, we've um, we've driven over from from Newbury this morning. Uh, sometimes we, we visit other other churches. In fact, two weeks ago we were we were visiting the church in Bath, and um, to be honest with you, I I was just so impressed by the two testimonies that I heard there. So the first testimony was a lady Jackie, she was from Rwanda. And um, Nigel Ring, for those of you who know Nigel Ring, interviewed her because he's part of that church. And she was describing how, as a, she's a Tutsi, and she was describing how the Hutus came to her village one day and, and slaughtered the village. And how they then slaughtered her family. And she, as a six-year-old girl, hid under the sink and came out from under the sink to find what she found and how terrible and traumatic that was and then walked around for days as a little girl in the bush for days and then some other awful things happened to her and telling a long story short then when she was 16 she came to know Jesus and came to Christ and um, learned about his forgiveness and how she had received forgiveness and how she could give forgiveness and through the work of the Holy Spirit in her life, she learned to forgive the Hutus. And then she introduced her husband, Jonathan, a Hutu, to us. It was just such a kind of amazing, amazing, amazing testimony. And then and then this guy, and then this guy, Andy, his name was very, very kind of unassuming guy. He um he described how he came from a terrible kind of her family background without going into all the details, the family just kind of exploded and they lost touch and he lost touch with his grandma and his grandfather and really wondered what had happened to them, really wondered how old his grandfather might be and how old his grandmother might be. And through a series of circumstances, tracked them down recently. Hadn't seen them for 28 years, tracked them down and, um, and went to see them and knocked on the door with his wife and, and little girl and said, hi, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Andrew. And his grandfather said, oh, Andrew, come in. We've been expecting you. And his grandfather explained how, how he was a Christian and how he and his grandma every day for 28 years had been praying for him. And this morning, his grandfather said, this morning God told us, today's the day. Andrew's going to come. And so, I've, so I've, made you a, I've made you a lemon meringue pie. <laughs> because the last time I saw you when you were two, I made you a lemon meringue pie. And I was just like, what? <laughs> That's so amazing. That's so amazing. So as you can tell, the preacher wasn't very impressive, but the testimonies were very, very good. <laughs> they were very good. 
So if you, if you have a Bible or you've got the Bible on your phone, I'd like you to turn with me to John chapter 10. And I'm, I'm going to read um, a passage that, that will be familiar to you, I think. But just to pull out some things about the kind of things that Jesus, I think, was teaching that day. Just to kind of help us in terms of what is a pastor, what do elders do, and who is Jesus. So... Um, so here we go. Hmm. I'll step back here and I'll use this one then. Verily, verily. Oh, it is the King James Version. Look at that. Yeah, I don't think many of you will have the King James Version. No, sorry. I'll, walk, I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you a secret. The other reason I was going to put it on the screen was that I forgot my glasses. <laughs> so I'll just use Beverly's glasses. So this, this could be anything. How do they look? <laughs> so, um, so John chapter 10. Says this. Oh, no, right. Oh, I look at the bottom. Oh, okay. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming... He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided 
Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? You probably know by now that when Jesus was teaching things, he often would use picture language or an analogy or a metaphor or a parable or even use a picture of what was happening around. So in this instance, I, I wondered to myself, I wonder if where they were, there was a shepherd nearby with, with some sheep because that was a very common thing to see in those days. It's not, so, it's not so common for us to see that, but in the Middle East at that time, it was very common to see shepherds with some sheep. And for us to kind of understand this, we just need to kind of get into the Middle Eastern mindset or even just for a moment try and imagine the Middle Eastern shepherd and the Middle Eastern sheep pen as well. So here we have a picture of a sheep pen that was a little bit like the one that we're talking about because the sheep pen would often be shared by family members in a town or in a village. And so you might have many, many sheep from different flocks. Have you got a picture of the sheep pen there with some of the, um, the one of the, uh, the, uh, the walls and the sheep inside? And the, lots of families, they might all put their sheep into the sheep pen. They might share it together as a village or as families. And it could be a wooden construction. It could be a kind of stone construction. And, oh, that's a nice one. But what's amazing about, about the sheep pen is that even though the sheep might be from different families or have different shepherds, that when the shepherd came in the morning, he would call the sheep and the sheep would recognise his voice. Not only that, that the sheep would often have very particular names. So they wouldn't just be called Flopsy, Mopsy and Cottontail or something. They, they would have very intimate, very very personal names. So... So the sheep might be called the one that was born under the tree by moonlight or might be the one whose mother died giving birth but who I reared by hand. So those kind of intimate and just kind of really, really tender names. And so in the morning the shepherd would arrive, so he might, he might have asked the, the gatekeeper overnight to look after the sheep but then in the morning he might come and he might ask the sheep to follow him. More than one shepherd arriving, but the sheep were so attuned to the voice of their shepherd that they could hear. So he would, he would call his sheep by name and then he would lead his sheep. So my first question is this, are you accustomed to the voice of Jesus? Are you, are you hearing Jesus' voice? Are you hearing Jesus' voice? I can tell you a church that hears the voice of the Holy Spirit. Four fantastic words we had earlier. I just, I just wonder how you're doing, hearing the voice of Jesus and him whispering things to you and him, him calling you, him speaking to you. You see, your, your name isn't just the name that you have now or the name on your birth certificate. Jesus has a name for you. When, when the Bible talks about you will be given a new name in heaven, that's a name that is intimate and unique to you. There'll be more than one Derek Simmons in heaven. Some of you will be thinking, oh no. <laughs> that, that happens to be his earthly name. But, but actually his, his heavenly name is much more beautiful and intimate than that. The name that 
Jesus gives him, which reveals his love for him, his intimacy for him, his heart for him. It probably even mentions trains in it somewhere. Because Jesus knows everything about Derek. Jesus knows everything about you and me. And the name that he chooses for us reveals us and exposes us so vulnerably and so beautifully and so intimately. Now, maybe your name might be the girl who, when she was six, gave her life to me that day when she was on the swing and threw her hair back laughing and who grew to be the beautiful woman that she is today. I don't know what your name is, but Jesus has a special name for you. Because the thing is about the shepherd is that they loved their sheep. As we've just read, the shepherds loved their sheep and would hold their sheep and run their fingers through their sheep, would, would look in the eyes of the sheep, would open the, the mouth of the sheep, would look in the teeth, would touch the tongue, would, would run their fingers down each leg just to make sure there was no ticks and, and no cuts and no bruises. They would roll them over and hold them over and then run their fingers up and down the, the tummy of, of the lamb or the sheep and just make sure there was no damage there, there was, that the fleece was clean. They would, they would lift up the tail. They would intimately know their sheep. And so it is with Jesus, with you and me. He loves you and knows you intimately and wants us to be attuned to his voice. I don't know about you, I, I just want to walk through every day with Jesus. I, I don't want to do this life without him. I, I want to walk with Jesus every day, everywhere. I love it when it says in the Bible of David, the Lord blessed him everywhere. I think I want, I want that of my life and I want that for your life. I want that for Chris and Catherine's life. The Lord will bless them everywhere. And then, of course, Jesus says, I'm the gate. And he says it a number of times in that passage, doesn't he? I, I am the gate. Which, which, again, it says of the disciples, they didn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> because, of course, they use a very visual thing that was happening. There's a gate. And then he says, I'm the gate. And then he's explaining it to them. In other words, they're... There is only one gate, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is making it very clear. I'm the gate. I'm, I'm the way to the Father. I'm, I'm the way to heaven. There is another I am. In fact, there are seven I ams. Let's just see if we can get the other five, shall we? So here we've got I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. Can you tell me what the other five I ams are in John's gospel? The bread of life. The way, the truth, and the life. The resurrection and the life. Um, the vine and one more. We've got six I am's. I'll let you think about what the seventh one is because you might get bored of me and you quite like having something else to do. So Jesus said, I'm the gate. So quick quiz. Now we're going to quick quiz. I'm going to show you some pictures of gates and you can tell me what these gates are. Is that all right? First gate, which gate is this? The Brandenburg Gate. Good. Second gate? Buckingham Palace Gate. Third gate? Golden Gate Bridge. Next gate? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Next gate? What's this one? Do you know what this gate is? This is Rodan's Gate of Hell. Now, what's interesting about this gate is that you're probably familiar with the thinker, which is the sculpture that we take out of the context 
of what the context is. Rodin made this to depict how awful hell is and his thinker is thinking about hell and thinking, oh no, what have I done? So when you see the thinker on its own, it's been completely lifted out of Rodin's original context. And my final gate is just a nice gate <laughs> with a nice little lamb. But Jesus was saying, I'm the gate. This is, this is the way to heaven. If you want to get to heaven, if you want to get to the Father, then you have to come through me. There, there is no other way. In fact, it says in, in Acts as well, which is another book in the Bible, there is no other name given unto men under heaven by which we will be saved but by the name of Jesus. So in other words, if, if you're here this morning thinking, oh, actually, I, yeah, how do I, how do I, I mean, I quite like these sheep. They're, they're quite nice sheep. I mean, the people here at Centrepoint, you will have noticed, are just nice people, aren't they? I mean, when you, when you meet Phil and his family, you just think, he's just such a nice guy. You just can't help but love him. You just kind of want to, I don't know, you just want to cuddle him, don't you really? <laughs> You know, he's, just, he's just such a lovely guy. And then you meet Tina and she's lovely and the family's lovely and, and Johnny's lovely and Nicola's lovely. You just think, they're just such a lovely... The people of Centrepoint are just 